and welcome to the Druck Report podcast. John Drucker Miller with you from hometownheadlines.com. Thanking you for joining us today. Coming to you, I can't say live. We're coming to you from the studios of Brand Red over in downtown Rome. Todd Labarge once again behind the controls here. We're going to talk a little bit about what's coming up. This is a huge election year. The man who knows all about that is going to join us here in one moment. That's Mr. Robert Brady. We'll talk to Robert in one second. Before we do that, though, before we get started, um, one podcast I never did, and I'm kicking myself in the butt for not doing that, and that is with the matriarch of mass media. That would be Nell Reagan. As we record this, you have already heard the words that uh, Nell did pass uh, Friday morning from a very short battle with cancer. Lovely lady, great friend, and truly, truly the matriarch of mass media. Got a little time today, thoughts, prayers, whatever you want to call them. Keep Nell and her family in your thoughts today. She did a lot for this community, a lot to make this community better. She was our strongest advocate, our best ambassador, and a very good friend as that as well. Nell, God bless you, and thank you for all you've done. There's no way to segue into that, but I will go and segue into somebody who is constantly ready, constantly prepared. Um... The most, the most beloved man when it comes to election season, Mr. Robert Brady. Good morning, sir. Good morning, and it could be the fellow whose fault it is. It's hard to tell. Well, believe me, I, and we're joking <laughs> off air about it. Not, we'll put it on air, too. Um, after the, you know, Of course, we're doing this now just after a couple of days after Iowa, although Iowa is changing by the hour. Um, and, and it's funny, I, th- I thought about you Monday night with like, oh, could you imagine like, oh, yeah, we've had some problems, you know, whatever it is and all. You're a new administration. You're doing things brand new. You've been here all of uh, 14 months. 14 months. Mm-hmm. So uh, you passed your evaluation period. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yes. Congratulations. They've decided that they're going to keep me on for a while. So you've been through a couple of elections. You're here 14 months. No, you've been, let folks know that you have been involved with elections uh, much longer than before you got here. Yes, sir. Uh, I moved up here to Floyd County from Sumter County down in America's Georgia. I, uh, I worked down there in elections for not quite eight years when we started this. I've been through everything from uh, minor runoffs to uh to actually both the the 20 well the 2014 and the 2016 presidential elections i like to believe that i have a little bit of a handle on all this uh doing the best that we can do what we got to work with outstanding well we thank you for being here for that thank you for coming in here as well uh a lot of things happening with our election system interesting elections last year of course with the uh, city commission races but this year, a brand new slate. We start with the presidential primary. We have a local primary. We have very much people are telling me, oh, we won't need a runoff in July. Oh, no, no. Go ahead and count that date. November general election, potentially even a runoff there with the uh, U.S. Senate race and some other things. Who knows? Anyway, let's talk first, though. Before all this starts, uh, before all these elections starts, you've got a whole office full of brand new toys. That are known as the new elections, the new voting machines. Tell us about those. Yes, we do. Uh, It was decided by the legislature that as of January 1st of this year, it would no longer be legal to use the digital recording uh, election devices that we were using prior to now. Okay, this system was in place. Actually, if you want to count the testing run-up session, it's been in place for 18 years. All right, what we've done here is we've made a change with the exact equipment that we use, but not with the process. 
Uh, having said that, the analogy that I would use is, is that we're painting a room. That's the election is the whole room. Uh, whether we do it with a roller or a brush is really insignificant just so long as the room gets painted. You'll also find that it's not really any more difficult to paint with the brush than it is with the roller. You just have to have a little bit different thought process in it. For voters, when they show up for early voting, okay, known in the business as absentee in person, which I'll give you the dates for that in a little bit. But when you show up for that, your experience is not going to be radically different with two exceptions. You'll be doing this with a new piece of equipment that uh, what we'll be doing is just like we always did. You will just be using a different piece of equipment to initiate the process. Also, there is a form you have to fill out. Unfortunately, it's the government. There are always forms. It's a much simplified form taking into account its specific purpose. In other words, form we had before handles seven or eight different kind of possibilities. This one has one, and that is the early voting. It'll be extremely smoother in its operation, and it's easier to understand. As far as what you're asking me in the equipment, the basic process will be now, understand it's a little different for early voting than it is for Election Day, so we'll talk about Election Day. Okay, on the Election Day process, you'll present yourself with your government-issue photo ID, just like you always did. You'll show it to somebody who's going to take your ID, and if it does use the standardized barcode system on the ID that most all government ID does, they'll put it on a little tray in this device, and they'll tell it to scan it. And they'll read your information directly off of your ID from this barcode. When this happens, your information will present itself to the poll worker who's looking at this. What they'll do is they'll take your ID at that point, turn it around, look at it, and see if your smiling face is on the picture on here matches the information that just came up on the screen. If it does, what will happen is they'll turn the machine around so you can see it, and they'll hand you a stylus and have you sign the form <clears throat> sign the form electronically because it's been determined that by the state that this is going to be considered a legitimate original signature that is a change in how it's been in the past there were there, were, there it's been a long time coming where they will accept electronic signatures but in this particular instance now they will all right now that we've acquired your signature on this form we'll make you a voter access card if you'll remember, they used to be yellow. Yep. It has not yet been determined what color they're going to be now. The prototypes that I have are white, uh, but it could just as easily be any other color, just whatever the state send us. We'll make that voter access card, and remember, that card has got no personal information on it. All that card is doing is telling the next piece of machinery in the process which ballot you're supposed to see. Now, the question I get at that point is, why is there more than one ballot? Well, now think on that just a second. We are split into two different Senate districts. We don't want the folks that are supposed to be voting in one to even see the ballot for the other one. Now think on that. If we have somebody, in, we have 13 and 14 here. Okay, we also have the House seats. We've got a small sliver sure. that's different. What we need to do is to keep con confusion down. And to keep the correct voters in the correct race, you'll see different ballots. 
that's the only, that's the only thing it's doing is showing you which ballot you're going to get. Which is standard from the past. That's yeah. the way it's always been. Okay, it's, it's uh, all I'm doing here is I'm I'm just kind of recounting sure. the, how we're going to roll this wheel. All right, once you insert this card into the new machine, uh, it's going to look differently. It's going to behave basically just like it did before. What you're going to see is a great big huge touchscreen tablet. All it's going to take to vote is to mark your choice with your index finger. And I'll tell the ladies before we get here, fingernails don't always work. So try to use the ball of your finger when you do this or your thumb. You make your choices. You tell it that you're through with this page. Push the button for the next page. It continues on until you go through the whole ballot. Then you're given an opportunity at that point to review everything you see on the screen for the people who like that. After you've done that, it'll give you the option to print a copy of this. Okay. When you push that button, it's going to ask you again, do you want to look at it again or do you want to print it? Okay. When you push that button, a printer sitting right next to this equipment is going to generate a piece of paper. That piece of paper is actually the ballot that you're going to cast. Okay, we're going to heavily encourage, heavily encourage you to examine this piece of paper while you were en route from where you printed it over to what's called uh, the precinct ballot accumulator. Okay, you've not. You can tell some yet. governments involved here because law oh, names and everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of these where I have to stop and think what acronyms are, and I know that nobody knows what they are, and I have to remember what they mean, so, <laughs> and that makes it harder. I grew up by the space center, yeah, so I feel okay. your pain. So anyway, you go walk over to this other scanner that's sitting on top of a great big thing that looks like a, uh, it looks quite frankly like a like a trash receptacle, and essentially it is a sophisticated form of that that the that this scanner is permanently mounted to. What's going to happen is there's going to be somebody standing there whose sole purpose in life, is, for that moment anyway, is to ask you, have you taken a look at your ballot? Are you satisfied with what you see? Also, we will have available uh, image enhancing devices so that you can actually, you know, read it if because it, it, it is sort of small print on this thing. And then when you're satisfied with what you have, then you'll insert this paper ballot in the scanning device. And at that point, you will have actually voted. At that point, the vote is tabulated. The ballot, because remember, that's a secret document, yep. is accumulated in this locked and sealed container. And remember, again, there is no personally identifying information on it, so I can't tell yours from mine, from his, from hers, from anybody else's. Once it goes in the box, that's all there is. All right. The, the, and there, here's something I particularly like about this scanning device. This scanning device uh, writes in a parallel format. Translated into English, that means when you scan this, it does. It isn't recorded in just one place. It's recorded in two places. Good. And so what you have here is you have the copy that at the end of the election night, you're going to take out and bring to me. The other copy stays sealed in the machine. And as long as we don't see any reason or anything that really looks unusual or something's wrong with this, that backup or what we refer to as the administrator copy will stay in the scanner 
And if it turns out that there's never an issue, we won't ever take it out. It'll just be overwritten for the next election. If there is an issue, if for some weird reason we come up with a really fishy-looking count or something, we go, whoa, this is an anomaly, what's going on here? What we can do then is going through the appropriate motions and paperwork that's necessary, remove this administrator card, look at the data that's on there, and compare it to what we had before. That will give us a verifiable way to say for sure this really did happen. Or this is some kind of weird anomaly and the card got messed up somehow. We don't really know of any way that that would happen, but it's man-made. Weirdness happens. That's, that's all that I can say about that. But so, so this is, an, uh, is adding to the security of it. Now, after you've cast your ballot, the lady or gentleman, whoever assigned it that particular uh, part of the polling place, will hand you a new and improved, because I have other stuff stuck on it, peach sticker telling, saying that I voted. And uh, we will thank you very much for your efforts. And you'll move on. And you will have completed this process. The actual voter's experience will flow smoother and will be easier, really, than the way we used to do it. The only thing that we've done here is we've, we've inserted an opportunity for you to take a look at what you're doing and make sure that that's what you want to do. You get a hard copy, basically. Uh, well, you get hard copy, but you don't get to keep it. This is one of those where you're, you know for sure what this ballot said because you had it in your hand. Yep. Okay. Again, we heavily encourage people to review this. Now, the thing that I didn't address that we need to is what happens if something's wrong? What happens if you go through this and you go all of a sudden, whoa, wait a minute, I didn't mean to do that. Then what you do is you notify the poll workers standing there that where is a problem with this ballot. And they'll go, what kind of problem? And, you know, it'll be, well, the, the, it didn't do, and I didn't, and I, blah, 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 blah. And they'll go, okay, no problem. We have the ability, with the equipment we have now, in a much quicker and simpler way to recreate your voter card for you without changing anything else, just your voter card. And we'll let you run another one, and we'll take the ballot that you had an issue with. We will deface it in such a way that it can't be read. Okay, and then we will let you cast a second ballot. Now, when you get your second ballot, you're going to have maybe a little more oversight in your doing this than you had the first time to make sure that whatever problem you had, you don't have the second time. And again, none of this changes anything because you haven't voted until you actually put it in the machine before you walk out the door. So that's kind of basically the process as this is going to work. Now, yeah, yeah. It, it's a fail safe and it's an opportunity to double check both what you did, because how many of us has been looking at line A and stuck our thumb up there on line B inadvertently? That happens. We understand that that happens. And nobody's going to give you any grief and nobody's going to make you wear a big hat that says, I screwed this up. Just nothing like that at all. We will just take care of whatever your problem is and, and make it possible for you to vote. Once people have done this through this election year, they're going to wonder why we really ever did it any other way. It, it, of course, all this starts, like I said, with advanced voting coming up for the presidential primary. So we're, this is going to be something we're, we're like days away from. Well, we're, we're about a month away from it. Yes, we are. Uh, with regard to that, 
There are a few dates. One quick note before we sure. go on. I, I mean, I wanted this because I, I have a friend in government who sure. asked me to ask this question. Okay. And when we get you guys, we're going we're to get you guys off the hook before we get yeah. you guys in trouble. Oh, okay. Well, the check's in the mail. Go ahead. There we go. <laughs> um, getting this printout. We do the vote. We make our votes and that stuff. And we get our printout. And, of course, I, God bless you guys having that many printers because I believe the one I have at home, I mean, it's like every day I kind of got to wiggle and make it work. But apparently these copies are going to cost 13 cents each because it's mandated paper by whoever supplies these things. They're in government. They're worried about the cost of that. That is not your call. That is the call from Secretary of State's office. Uh, well, yes, sir. To, to amplify on that just a little bit, <clears throat> the actual cost, okay, is actually closer to 20 cents copy by the time you go through all of the rest of oh, the wow. things you have to add to it. But with regard to what you're asking about, okay, there is what the Dominion – uh, voting systems of people who make this refer to as safety paper. It has a particular kind of coating on the paper that uh, that causes the all the printing to be extremely crisp. It's it's real sharp, so it makes the the optical scanning stuff. Uh, again, you fool with all that kind of high resolution. It's yeah. a way 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 finer print to be closer to positive, because again, it's man made. You can never say for a hundred percent of being honest, uh, but it's it's closer to positive of what it is exactly that's being run through the machine. Okay, as it is right now, the only supplier of that particular paper, okay, is the company that makes this system. Uh, unfortunately, their cost per sheet is 13 and a half cents a sheet. So when you when you look at this, uh, you're looking at at an expendable item yep. that unfortunately the county is going to be responsible for. Okay. And you're absolutely correct. Uh, I wish that I could go to Staples and buy 92 pound yep. bright white paper and use this. Uh, but the only way to absolutely confirm that we gave the election its best shot under the most critically observed circumstances is to unfortunately use the stuff they tell us to use. Uh, these printers that we're using, the printers themselves, are, uh, are they're basically, well, you're a basic printer. They're very good printer, laser printers. Uh, they are monochrome. They're black. And you have to have one of them for each ballot marking device. So we will be monitoring the printers very closely to make sure that we never run out of paper and to make sure that the the printing that we're getting is of an acceptable quality. So we will, again, alluding to what you're saying, the cost and all of this is, we will have available replacement cartridges. That We will be able to 100% maintain this. Now, getting a little bit into the, into the behind-the-curtain things that nobody really notices about this, in the past, nobody ever really noticed, but about every hour or so, we had somebody walking around taking a look at the machines, uh, checking their accumulated counters. The idea here is, uh, is if we know we've had X number of people come through here, mm -hmm. we better have had X number of votes cast through all of this. And this is all the cross-checking we've always done. We just try to do it in such a way that it's not obvious that we're checking behind ourselves or making a major production out of this. I have assigned the task 
of topping off each of these printers because they're go the the poll worker assigned to do this will actually be standing at every one of these printers so we keep them topped off with paper that means that we will have to have paper on hand mm -hmm. to do this and they come in in boxes of four thousand sheets which is the way oh, wow. you have to buy it and and we will we will make sure for every polling location uh, we have more paper on hand than we have possible voters to vote. So there's no danger of running out of the ballot paper. Uh, and, and, and one of the interesting things is the scanners, the precinct scanners that we're using, are robust enough in their abilities that it is possible to use lesser paper for this. We've done it in the demonstrations. But it's one of those things where to be in compliance yep. with both the rules, the laws, and the intent, we have to use the paper that they dictate us. Okay. There, are, uh, there are unfortunately going to be several... Uh, non-funded mandates involved in the election process that we that never happens in government <laughs> not at all we are talking with robert brady about the new election process hey, we're gonna take our break right here how's that and we'll come back we'll talk about actually election dates what we need to know about that we have a bunch of stuff coming up this year it's going to be a very exciting election year we're talking more about the upcoming uh, election season john recommend with you from the direct report homedoneheadlines.com more after this break I'm Ryan Simmons, Creative Director at Brand Red. We're honored to sponsor today's episode. If you're looking to grow your business, we help companies just like yours reach new customers. Contact us by visiting our website at brandredstudios.com or emailing us at info at brandredstudios.com. And welcome back to the Direct Report. John Drucker Miller with you from hometownheadlines.com. Thanking you again for joining us today. We are over at Studios at Brand Red recording today. Again, we thank Todd LaBarge for his excellent production work there. And we thank Robert Brady, our elections chief, who's here talking about. We just spend a good time talking about the new election machines. Robert, we got uh, you're gonna have a fun, fun 2020, my friend. It's like back to back to back elections. Let's talk about when people are gonna be voting. And by the way, any questions you got, they can always contact you folks at the Floyd County Elections Office. Uh, we're more than pleased to answer any questions. Phone calls, come see us, whatever. If you're uncertain about your your uh, voting registration status, contact us. We'll check it for you. We'll also be more than pleased to tell you where you're going to need to go to vote if you choose to do it on Election Day. And and we keep available the uh, the the locations and timing of uh, of all of the early voting that's going to happen. Yes, sir, we're going to be pretty, pretty much nonstop. This train is going to start and it's going to run steady. The uh, first thing that we have going is the presidential preference primary. And, and its purpose in life is to uh, uh, to allow us to pick, unlike Iowa, how how we how we designate our delegates for the national convention from all this, uh, the registration date for that. The deadline is February the 24th, close of business. That's for new voters? Or this is for voters? new voters or for any other voters. And, and, and we'll touch on that in just a second, too. But that is the end of the registration window, or it closes is the way the expression we use it, for the March 24th presidential preference primary. All right. And the reason for that is, is remember, these are computerized lists. So what happens is we, we need to have everybody who's going to do this 
in the computerized roles. So that's why they have a 30-day close. Now, this goes back to the old days when they used to do it with a pencil and a paper. It was the same thing. It takes time to process all this stuff. If you come in on the 24th and register, we will make sure that you are on what's known as a supplemental list, but it is a secondary method of accumulating this information just don't worry about it if you get here by the february 24th you will be able to vote in the presidential preference primary on march 24th there is a change in the law that i need to bring up to some folks who are familiar with this aggravation that is technically a federal election not a state election technically okay in the past if you sent me a request for an absentee ballot prior to the presidential preference primary you had to send me another one after the presidential preference primary to get receive your uh, absentee ballots for the rest of the years worth of state elections that has changed uh, recent changes in the law effect of the first of this year now it's been decided that if you send me an application for an absentee ballot any time before the election cycle starts, I can honor it for the whole year. So that's going to cut a little bit of yeah. aggravation out. And, and uh, uh, there's another little change, too, that now's a good time to throw this in here. They reworded the law. In the past, you could register to vote at age 17 and a half as long as you were 18 before Election Day. Okay. What they did was they reworded the law and made some changes in our, our voter registration system. So you are still allowed to register at 17 and a half, but the system will now know and show you active on Election Day if you are 18 on Election Day or before. So that's not one. Of, you don't have to worry about uh, having to go verify that you actually got updated and all that. The system will automatically take care of that for you. Those, those are both good things. Many, many years ago. Yeah. I mean, that's, about four days in mm-hmm. 2000. No. 1972. A long time ago, yeah. And I voted for Richard Nixon, by the way. So, okay. Yeah, uh, and, and, and that yeah, historical yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I voted for Jimmy Carter the first time, too. See? Uh, oh, yeah. I was in Alaska at the time. Anyway, uh, these are two little changes in the rules that have a significance in what we're doing here, and people need to be aware of them. To continue on, though, with all of this, uh, the, the presidential preference primary is going to take place on March the 24th. Okay. The early voting process, uh, known technically as absentee in person, you don't have to give me any justification. You can just come up here and say that you want to do this. All right, is something that was instituted some time back, and its period of time is mandated. Now, it leaves us a little room to throw some additional things in here as long as we do it correctly. But we can make some adjustments in it along those lines. Those are things that we determine before each election based on what the perceived need for it is going to be. Traditionally, uh, for the last three presidential preference primaries, we've had approximately a third turnout. The truth of the matter is it runs 24 to 29 percent, but we're not splitting hairs here. So what we do is we're looking at giving the people the maximum opportunity to come in and vote before election day if they choose to but again because we have to be i have to be pragmatic about this we have to look at what it costs and what we're going to get out of it and while it would be great to go with the with the uh, philosophical from your heart it doesn't matter what it costs unfortunately it does Uh, so we have to look at that too we don't want to be over prepared for this but with regard to the presidential preference primary 
Okay. We will have a total of three early voting sites open. Good. And two of them will be open at different times, okay, but one of them will be open for the entire time. Now, translating that into something that makes a little more sense, the community room at the admin building down on 4th and 1st down Yellow Brick Courthouse or something. Yellow Brick Courthouse. That will be open from March the 2nd all the way through all of the days we will be voting, okay, through March the 20th. Now, that will include Saturday, March the 14th, okay, because there are federal candidates on this ballot. Obviously, that's what we're doing here. And and uh, Saturday voting is mandated, okay? The Civic Center will be open on both March March the 14th, which is Saturday, and March the 15th, which is Sunday. Good. And then it will be open for the week of March the 16th through the 20th. Okay, so those are – that will be open basically the last week. Gotcha. Plus the weekend that we'll have there. So we'll actually have Saturday voting in the in the community room and in the Civic Center. Good. Saturday. Sunday only in the Civic Center. And the and the logic behind this is that the parking is better, the the egress and digress is better out of all this. Everybody knows where it is. And we just we'll we'll just put it there. Okay. For the week of March the ninth through the 13th, which is what you'd sort of kind of call the middle week through all mm-hmm. of this, Garden Lakes Baptist Church on the far west side of town will be open also. So the, the thinking here, and should we have any major disagreements with this thinking, we are open for suggestions, but, you know, the scheduling and all that has to be thought of and all this. But the idea here is is to make it so that one centralized location will be here for the whole process. Then we'll sprinkle something on one side of town and we'll sprinkle something on the other side of town and and those are the periods of time that they'll be open so let me get do that again to make sure that it's clear the community room will be open for early voting from march 2nd through the 20th monday through friday to include saturday march the 14th the civic center will be open on march the 14th and the 15th and then we'll be open the complete week of march the 16th through the 20th and garden lakes baptist church and their their uh, suddenly escapes me what they call the room but in one of the halls that they have out there uh they will be open march the 9th through the 13th and all these are of course are are eight to five monday through friday with the exception of the weekends and those are mandated by the state to be nine to four so that's that's what we're setting up here for early voting with all this and just as a point of interest as of this morning we, uh floyd county had fifty six thousand one hundred and twenty two active voters no that's amazing i remember it used to be forty four thousand it fluctuates it, it's not unusual for there to be about eighteen hundred two thousand voters fluctuation either mm-hmm. way at any given moment and if we ran the report right now it would be different than it was sure. this morning because of people in and out and that sort of thing so maybe a third of those turnout we anticipate between a third and a quarter and when they do vote when you do when we do vote either early advanced voting or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it or election day we still go in and say i want a republican ballot mm-hmm. or i want a democratic ballot for this election that correct. is correct because and there's it, no independent ballot because there's no independence 
you can vote nonpartisan if you choose to, mm-hmm. okay? But what that's going to do is that's only going to give you the opportunity to vote for the th- three or maybe four people who are nonpartisan candidates that will happen yeah, in May. That, that'll be okay, in May. In May, yes. Okay. Now, that's now a different for this, election. For this election, For yeah. this election, you will be, you'll be tasked with selecting Democrat or Republican ballot, yes. Gotcha. And they'll only let you vote in one of them, okay? Uh that's because they are technically, technically two different uh, elections, and you can only vote in one of them at a time, of each type. With these ballots, um, I'm assuming the Democratic ballot is anything. Are these set yet, or do we still have time? Unfortunately, this has to be done a little bit in advance. That's what I thought. Okay, okay. so there might so be some names that are no longer there. You're possibly yes. Where that's where I was going with this. It is theoretically possible that some of the candidates on the Democratic ticket will opt out uh, of this election before it actually gets to the preference primary. Okay, with regard now, this only applies to just the preference primary. That's okay. You can still vote for whoever it is that you want to vote for, because you're right, or you're selecting delegates, and that's that's another hour discussion for another day. But it's uh, you're selecting delegates, and while you may select delegates for a candidate that is no longer in the running, then that will affect what happens at the convention. That's not going to affect it from where you're standing. Okay, so without On the Republican side, that. I know we've made changes outside of your bailiwick here, but will there be just Donald Trump on the ballot, or are there other candidates? It has been decided, okay, that uh, that Donald Trump will be the nomination uh, presented for the Republican party this has been done by the republican party this, this is not, has been done your office way or, way yeah. way higher level than mine uh and yes and 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 i'm uncertain exactly what the process is for conveying that information to the state but it has been decided and that this is they are going to present it this way and the state has has opted to accept this which has been done in past elections. This is the way Trump. it's always been. Yeah. It's just that there's there's a little bit more visibility. Now, now I support as much of this visibility as possible. Now, granted, you, you don't really need to know or don't care what color ballpoint pen I use. But at the same time, you need to know what we're writing down. You know, I, I have no issue with this at all. I have no problem answering any question from anybody about this. Um, that's... That's what I do. That's what we're here for. Uh, besides being the, the chief clerk of elections, I'm also the chief clerk of registration. So I'm not at all uh, troubled by answering any question anybody has about Good. either one of the processes. In fact, I encourage them. Good. We got about three minutes left here. Do we need to touch any other parts of that of the presidential preference primary, or do we want to do a quick overview of what's coming up for May? The highlights. Yeah. Okay. Of the presidential preference primary are you need to have your voter registration taken care of by February 24th. You need to be aware that you will be able to vote absentee in person. Early voting is known colloquially uh, March the 2nd through the 20th for certain at the uh, community room on the second floor of the old Yellowbird Courthouse, as it's known around here. And there will be other days presented and the media will be made aware. We'll advertise very much so where these locations are and when. You're going to find that the process 
is is essentially always been the way you're going to see it. We're going to do it with a little different form and a little bit different piece of paper, but the process itself will be just the same for early voting. There has been some concern, and I need to touch on this very quickly, uh, some concern about what's being referred to in some of the media outlets as purges of the voter records. Should you find yourself being on one of these lists that has indicated that you are not currently eligible, okay, you don't have to go into great despair. All it takes to repair this is to contact us. So this is, if you don't think that you're eligible because you didn't vote for the last 6, 12, 8, 19 years, whatever, then what you have to do is contact us and we can immediately rectify that. Uh, In Georgia, nobody – well, there's only one way to leave the voter rolls in the state of Georgia, and that's to move to another state and for them to tell us that you moved. Even uh, as it stands right now, if you die, we just mark you as canceled, deceased. You are still on the voter rolls. Unlike Chicago. Unlike Chicago. And, of course, now in Chicago or Laredo, Texas, as I'm told, there are a lot of people who have been deceased (laughs) that are on the voting rolls, but but I can't really comment on that. Vote early. Vote, vote often. often. There you go. And most important, if you don't do advanced voting or early voting, you can still vote election day. March On election 24th, day. 7 a.m., 7 yes. p.m., 24. Five. 25. Well, no, there are, 20, there are 24 locations, 25 precincts. Gotcha. We combine two of the right. voting locations at the Civic Center simply for convenience purposes. We have the room, let's use it kind of thing. All but, right. yes, uh, let, let us know if you were uncertain as to where you're supposed to be. Uh, One other thing, one last thing. Uh, I can't issue and I can't deliver a ballot after the Friday before the election. That is the last day. That's all there is. So if you bring me uh, an application for an absentee ballot on Friday the 20th, okay, while I will do my best to get that generated and get it out, if it doesn't happen, it's not going to. Gotcha. All right. Of course, they want to reach you folks, Floyd County Elections Office. You guys are there 8 to 5 weekdays as well. Phone number there is area code 706-291-5168. Uh, also, should you need to fax us, that is possible also uh, because nobody really does a whole lot of faxing anymore. If you need that number, call us and we'll be pleased to tell you what it is. That sounds good. Well, thank you very much, and we'll have all this information also available for you. Robert does a great job getting out to the media. We'll get it produced for you on hometownheadlines.com as well. Mr. Brady, thank you, sir, and we'll talk later on about what's happening on uh, May 19th and the runoff and the general election. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more to come this year as well. Especially, I want to talk about that uh, congressional race coming up here. I'm having a hard time keeping track of that already, but that's what we're paid for. Thank you, Mr. Brady. We appreciate it, sir. Good job as always. Certainly welcome. Thank you for your help, my friend. Continuing coverage of the election all season long on HomeDoneHeadlines.com. This is John Ruckermiller saying thank you for your time. Have a great day in Northwest Georgia.